Do you know what nemesis means? Hello and welcome to Direct the Podcast. It takes a direct trajectory through a director's filmography. I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Panic Room is the movie we watched this week. Levi, please give us a synopsis of Panic Room. Meg Altman and her daughter find themselves on their first night in a new house when three break when three burglars break in to search for a fortune hidden in an old panic room. The girls lock themselves in the panic room, only to be trapped with no way to communicate with the outside. The burglars seal up the house and attempt to gas the room, but are foiled. The girls go on the offensive as the villains fight amongst themselves, retrieving a cell phone, only to find no signal from the room. After a brief MacGyver moment, they manage to get a momentary call out to Meg's ex-husband before the line is cut off. Shortly after, the infighting ends, villain with ends with villain number three, Raul, shooting the leader of the group, leaving himself and the safe cracker Burnham. Meg's husband shows up and his, is beaten violently, and the daughter Sarah has a medical condition that forces Meg to leave the room to find an insulin shot. The tables turn as the villains end up in the room with Sarah and Raul's hand mangled by the door while Meg is outside with the gun. Cops show up. Meg dismisses them, bargaining with Burnham to give her daughter the life-saving shot. Our two remaining burglars open the safe, but in their attempt to flee, they find Meg ready for them. Raul takes a sledgehammer to the face, and then Burnham finishes him off in the final moment of redemption before being arrested by the police. The Panic caps. Room. The caps. Panics. <laughs> Panic Room. Eric. I think there's somebody in the room with us. This is it's actually kind of interesting because we have to mention this is the first time we've actually <laughs> recorded live in person and it's very much a panic room esque situation. I feel like we're trapped in here. Because we are both in my bedroom. <laughs> in my bedroom. <laughs> and uh trapped in a small room <laughs> with one another. Now there's somebody in the house. It's your oh, wife. Yeah. She wants us to finish recording so she, so she can go to bed. <laughs> Oh, man, she's going to get the propane out at any moment. We're going to get guests. You'll hear a lighter, folks. Don't worry. It's us ignoring the laws of physics and the fact that (sighs) flames typically burn out the oxygen in a room. Hot air rises. Still not a lot of oxygen left over in that room. Yeah, this this movie is interesting. What, What did you think of the movie? I actually really enjoyed it. It's I haven't seen it since it was out in the theaters. Uh I remembered it vaguely. And okay. certainly in 2002, I wasn't a discerning moviegoer like I am this now. This was 2002? Yeah. High school. We finally passed 9-11 hmm. in the David Fincher catalog. So okay. look forward to some darker heroes. Yep. I don't know that that's actually true. No, I think so. Um, <laughs> less, less blowing up of buildings, for sure. <laughs> sort of. Sort Girl of. Girl with the dragon tattoo. Anyway. Yeah, it was. I really enjoyed it. I think that this was a a good one. I there it's flaws, but as an architect, this movie, the shots in this movie, <laughs> oh man, they're just meant for me. Yeah, scrolling through walls and panning down into a stairwell. This is the kind of filming that you want to use to explain to a client this is how your house <laughs> is going to look, and then you show it in this really cool pass through yeah i like how they made the house a character totally it absolutely is um they did a great job using camera movements to really give you an entire tour of the house and like a great sense of geography a lot of movies don't do that it's like you're gonna watch a movie you kind of haven't i mean you didn't like fight club for example you didn't really know like the geography of the house you knew that the kitchen had a door that went down to the basement that had bunk beds in it, but it, it, in context, it was kind of this sprawling, uh, you know, sprawling space that you never really got a good grip on. But in this one, you knew kind of exactly where everything was. You know that the girls' bedroom is up on the third floor, and that or the top floor. How many floors were there? There were four floors. Yeah, four floors. There's the entry. There's a kitchen below. That was the this, this really clever move was that they gave it to you twice because mm-hmm. they give they walk you through with the realtor. They lay out the four floors. Yep. Kitchen on the in the basement for Elevator. the servants. Main floor, floor with mom and the panic room, and then servants' quarters up above. And then they pan through everything as Burnham 
checks all of the entrances to the house until he gets to the roof. They walk right. you through right up to that window. Michael Douglas is just waiting to fall through it and <laughs> yeah. another attempted suicide. Mm-hmm. Through the ceiling. That's a Fincherism. <laughs> Coming through the ceiling. But nobody did in this one, did they? No, he came through the ceiling, didn't he? Came I mean, he like got latch. in, but I, yeah. I'm thinking crashing through the... Yeah. Right through the glass. Right. But it was... It was the shooting in this one especially felt meticulous. And mm-hmm. as he starts to... And uh, Davy Mack and Trippy in the forums were talking about the... I think it was Trippy. was talking about the animated shots. And yep. we have saw that in Fight Club with the... The pan through the apartment as it gets blown up. Mm-hmm. And now we get it just off and on... Just, Panning through balusters into people's faces through the uh, through the coffee, coffee pot mug. handle, yeah, past the chairs, yeah. I did think there was one scene where the animated camera move was a little much, and that was when they were doing the Morse code with the flashlight, and they like <laughs> went into the light bulb, and I was like, not really sure that needed to happen, but yeah, it was. It made me expect that the bulb was going to burn out. It was yeah. for how much we've emphasized. Oh, the zoom in. Yeah, if you're going Make to emphasize something, it's got to mean something. I yeah. really, and maybe that was the point. Maybe it was supposed to make me more tense about the flashlight. Maybe. Yeah, how did you feel about the suspense in this movie? Because there was a lot of suspense. I feel like at the beginning, when the guys are in the house, and they're obviously not the sharpest tools in the shed. Nope, and. I feel like if there are the bonds in the safe, they're not going anywhere. Like, I Jodie Foster has claustrophobia. Not that they knew that. But I don't think she's going in the panic room, lifting up the floor tiles and finding a safe in there. So they could have, like, cased the joint like normal robbers do <laughs> and uh, waited for them to go on vacation or something and then actually gone in and not had to deal with hostages. I feel like if you're a burglar, the last thing you want to deal with is actual people in the house. Like, yeah, and Burnham makes a point out of that at the start. He wants to check out super fast. Mm-hmm. And the thing that really made me tense in this movie was Raul, because yeah, he wanted to card. shoot somebody from the get-go. Yep. He was... It made me think of the Dane Cook sketch a long time ago when he sum- summarizes heist movies, and there's always the extra guy that gets yeah. brought on at the end uh-huh. who says he's cool, and he's not cool. And Raul, and I not immediately cool. went to IMDb because Raul made me uncomfortable, and it's because it's Dwight Yoakam who makes me uncomfortable just as a huge... Anytime <laughs> he shows up in a movie, he's in Wedding Crashers as the... The fit, the husband in the marriage that they're negotiating oh. at the start. Oh, yeah, he shows yeah. up as the doctor yeah. in the Crank movies, which I really love uh-huh. those movies. Yeah. He's still super uncomfortable in those movies. He's also a country singer. And he's a country singer on this side. And so he he has a dog in a truck. He's like a double threat mm-hmm. because I don't think he can dance. He doesn't look like he, he can He definitely dance. cannot dance. <laughs> he might be good at archery. But that he makes might be up for third. it by shooting people. Yeah. <laughs> or, but he doesn't really. I guess he shoots uh, Jared Leto, but yeah, he that's kind of shoots a point him blank. That's not point blank. Oh, that that's right. A, he gets him from across. Yeah, the he room. pegged him right through the cornrows. Uh, Lydia <laughs> made a good point during this movie: is that Jared Leto is like the king of bad hairdos. It's kind of his thing, now. or not? I mean, he's he got, really leaned into it. He got bleach blonde in Fight Club. You got the cornrows in this one. You got angel he's, hair. You know, Jared Leto. He's bald in Dallas Buyers Club, I assume. I haven't actually seen mm, Dallas Buyers Club. I don't know if he's actually I, know that's I thought he had long deal. hair. I don't, I don't know. know. But then, and then, of course, is the Joker. Yep. So, how's that working out for Change him? the hair, make it work. I want to see it, dude. Yeah, but I've heard that even of the apologists, the Suicide Squad apologists, mm-hmm. it's almost universal that his Joker is. And he's coming up behind. Dude, you can't Keith do it. Baby. You can't do it. I mean, I feel like it, comparing Jokers is is a it's a futile task because Jokers need to be in their own time. So, oh crap! The panic room is opening. Oh no! Sorry, Eric, close the door. Close, close the, the door. door. <laughs> close. <laughs> yeah, we should close the door on this conversation. Why are we talking about Jokers? We should even talk about know. panic because, room. Yeah, Jared Leto. For I was all 
being one of the movies that he's highlighted in, he yeah. doesn't make it that far into the movie. And that was something I forgot. So when he gets put down, I was like, yeah. oh. Well, I'd never, I've never seen the movie before. So I was very surprised for most of it. I was like, this is good. There is like the kind of the moment when they're in the room and Forrest Whitaker's character keeps on saying like, there's no way to get in the room. And so you kind of know that they're going to have to contrive a reason for Jodie Foster to come out of the room and that the insulin is a great, you know, device for that. The MacGuffin insulin. <laughs> um, but there was, it kind of lowered the suspense. I guess this movie breathes really nicely. I think that's kind of uh, that's kind of how I would describe it. Well, it's a nice that, handoff. Yeah, because you you know it's it's a nice thing at the beginning. They're you kind of resent them because they can afford this place. <laughs> you know, four thousand square feet is a ton of space for two human beings. I know that's what I we was grew like, up this in is standard like under two thousand yeah. square feet homes. In I think my a house. Was, I think my Seattle. house was like two thousand square feet. Yeah, most people's most yeah. middle class America grows up at two thousand square yeah. four thousand square feet done some houses with that size i don't know what people are doing with all that space i know that's what i wrote i'm like this seems like way too much space for two people yeah i can't imagine what that house costs in new york that and plus with the elevator in the panic room i love the elevator i love that Kristen stewart's playing with it and then we immediately turn around and oh mom i know how to work the elevator because Because you know she would and you know she would because she's got like that kid thing of like no you swipe left yeah i'm gonna just poke the buttons yeah i figured it out um immediately (laughs) so i think that was good but yeah the house is is way too big but you get kind of a nice thing at the beginning with the realtor they introduce you to the house as a character they lay out the geography for you which is nice um and then the you know the bad guys break in almost immediately and uh, after we've established that Jodie Foster is sad and also drunk. Yeah, a little bit of a wino. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, you don't just sober up at like an hour nap. Yeah. Well, maybe that's what part of the liquid courage of yeah. hitting a man with a sledgehammer. Oh, God. <laughs> which would have disintegrated I, she, I feel like she'd be sober skull. at that point. Maybe the adrenaline you think kick in yeah. and score you pretty but, quick. But they do. I mean, I, I, like I said, I just think the movie breathes really well because then there's all the suspense of them kind of getting in and then Jodie Foster getting into the panic room. Once they're in the panic room, they really set it up that it's super hard to get them out of the panic room. Then they do the propane thing, which is neither here nor there. And the movie's kind of like, well, we can't get in there. It's not going to work. We're, we're really screwed here. And then Jared Leto gets shot and all of a sudden boom, it becomes an intense movie again because the wild card has established himself. Um, and then they get into the room and then it's a reversal where they're in the panic room and she's not. So I feel like the movie really does breathe nicely for a suspense thriller. It's not one of these balls to the wall uh, action flicks. It's just like intense, 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 intense the whole time. Um, I did write down gravity, but in retrospect, it's not really a gravity because gravity is that. Like, gravity is, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, the whole time. Still haven't seen gravity. You haven't seen gravity? No. <laughs> oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> you, you're right, though. The, the, the movie sets up, and one of the things that are really like, they even give it the trope of a haunted house. Like, mm-hmm. old man Crothers lived here, and he had a ton right. of money and a panic room because yep. he was crazy, and he had slaves <laughs> still. <laughs> Into the nineties, like also the just, the reveal though that Jared Leto was like his grandson or something is interesting. Yeah, it was mildly. I mean, it gave them a reason. It gave him a reason to get around the paranoid. Yeah. Uh, the char- the character of the house to get into its secret. I feel like it would have been better though if he was a servant. That would have been because that would have been good too. It didn't make a ton of sense to me that he would get an inheritance. And that this is like, like he basically says it for himself. He's like, I'll make an anonymous call tomorrow. We'll get the bonds. We'll split them up five ways. I'll get $1.5 million or whatever. I did enjoy the head math that occurs yeah, in Forrest Whitaker's <laughs> eyes in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, really, dude? Like, you wanted to get. I, I didn't. It, he didn't have a good plan. I mean, he's the idiot. Well, but, he's a Hollywood rich person. We don't. 
Yeah. Hollywood movies really don't like to credit rich people with intelligence unless they're Steve Jobs. <laughs> well, I mean, he's a trust fund kid, too. Yeah. It's not like, like you assume that the grandpa made all the money working hard as a capitalist baron and that this kid's skated by his entire life. Working hard as capitalist baron is a <laughs> capitalist baron. <laughs> he was a capitalist baron. Yeah. Of his own device. Um, maybe. Who knows? We don't know where he got the like money. Like a robber from, baron. Yeah. yeah. Um, but and that's the twist. He stole the money. See, I thought it was going to be like an Inside Man situation. Have you seen Inside Man? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Very interesting. Inside Man, another Jodie Foster movie, which breathes similarly, I would say, to Panic Room. Yeah, I'd agree. Except it's got the whole like subplot of the Nazi gold and all that. Which I really enjoyed. Who directed? Yeah. Spike Lee. See, what's nice yeah. about the Nazi gold is then, in that instance, you want to like the thieves. Mm-hmm. In this one... You don't want to like the thieves, so you do though. In this, yeah, you like you Forrest Whitaker. He's all right. But... No, I think he's good, man. That's the thing they they really do the, do the, do this well. They have the trio of thieves, and they have the idiot, they have the heart of gold, and they have the wild card. Like the heart of gold guy, he's basically saying, "I'm having this custody battle. I need money." Um. Although, still, even that's like a little convoluted. I, I think it would have been better if he had a kid who was in the hospital. That's what I kind of assumed at the beginning when Jared Leto's like, you need this money, you know, with the kids. And he's like, don't bring the kids into this. I thought it was like, I've got a, like a kid dying of cancer or something. It sounds like he effed up and yeah. then <laughs> now he needs money because he, he screwed up. Yeah, it doesn't sound like... An act of God, like a disease or something. Well, and it would have made more sense to me subtextually because then he's got even more motivation to save the dying girl. It but was, I'm, I'm not here to rewrite the script. Yeah, no, but. no, no. I think I think that it you are striking a interesting point in the character, mm-hmm. the themes of the characters, because he does. He has that great redemptive arc, and he's still yeah. a suit. They kind of cut off his ending just a little bit shy. I kind of wish the... he had gotten away. Yeah. I was kind of rooting but for him, But that's the thing. Too. You're rooting for him. He's the heart of gold. Like, it's great that you can have somebody... You know, he doesn't want to turn up the propane because he doesn't want to actually hurt him. He, he, the, from the start, he's like, I don't want to hurt anybody. I'm literally just here for this money. And I know how to get into the panic room. Like, that's... Well, that would have been good because there's no tapes. So it would have right. been easy to let him go. He's I am smart, surprised he's the that he gets guy arrested. In the He's the smartest guy in the room. Does it feel a little bit like that could have been uh, producers playing with it? The way that it maybe felt like a second shot, like what, they had one, like they had a shot where he gets away, mm. and then they added this one where he stops, turns around, and lets the bonds go in. That sounds like, a... yeah. I mean, the bond letting go thing was another thing of like, why would he grab the bonds? I mean, it's raining outside. You got to keep them in your shirt. And we were trying to figure this out before the cast. Yeah. What's how do bonds I don't know. I don't know you, how bonds work. I don't know how you like black market bonds. <laughs> it seems like you'd go to a bank and they'd look up the number on the bonds and say, Hey, these yeah, don't belong these to don't, you. <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> I mean I feel like you have to transfer bonds like a car title or I'm something. I'm trying to buy a house right now and there's a lot of questions that come with vast <laughs> sums of money that especially being, twelve. I was it sold a house dollars? and I'm buying a house and they still ask me, "Where did this money come from?" Yeah, from the house I sold, so I can buy this one. Is was it twelve million or twenty two? It was twenty two. It was a ton yeah. Of money. You can't really just cash in twenty two yeah. mil <laughs> and be like. And I buy it. movies where the villain is going off to the Riviera because then yeah. you're going to you're going to kind of let it out a little bit over time you yeah. might have the right i feel like a security guy in new york who has custody problems right doesn't exactly have a fence and by the way your ex-wife's gonna be like where the fuck did you get all that money <laughs> where'd doesn't that matter. i got a lawyer now yeah i know uh, uh yeah um uh, you know whatever it's there's gonna be factual fallacies so heart of gold fictional. but yeah heart Jody of gold. foster's superman character did you enjoy, especially, and for me it was when there was the reversal at the end, when she's outside the room and she's got the gun, mm-hmm. to the degree that she's sending the cops away, yeah. and her dialogue states, there's only one way this is going to end, uh-huh. she's ready to shoot some fools, and I love, oh, yeah. I ate it up. I was Yeah, but at the totally same time, why it. did she give her disabled husband the gun? 
And she got the sledgehammer. Because she wanted to get personal. <laughs> I mean, I just feel like she might be better. I don't think he was going to do anything with the sledgehammer. He could barely lift the gun. I, well, yeah. Like, he could basically shoot in one direction. He, he has to hope that they walk in front of him. They walked in front of him. That was I part know. of the plan. When they walk out and Forrest Whitaker starts suspense, going so. through the doors, yeah, I was actually the sus- the fact that the suspense is flipped around, and yeah. now you're not sure exactly what Jodie Foster's up to, yeah, but you know she's pissed. Super Mama Bear moment, and I kind of liked yeah. it. We we didn't get deep into the masculinity of Fight Club, mm. and this movie was a nice follow up to to that. I thought, well, it's just you know, it's just a good villain. I think that one thing that we saw when we were in Tarantino's uh, canon was that a good villain is, can make a movie. And in this movie, I feel like Dwight Yoakam's Raul is a fucking great villain. He was because so unstable. Jared Leto's a great villain, too. I was actually kind of sad that he died because he's, so, he's an entertaining villain. But there's one thing about the goofy idiot, and then there's another thing about the wild card who doesn't give a fuck. And it's like... I'm seeing $22 million in front of me. I don't give a fuck about anybody else. I don't care if you're a kid. I don't care if you're a divorcee. I don't care if you're an old uh, billionaire. You're, you're all going down so that I can get my hands on this money. It's the, the D&D, the most dangerous character yeah. in Dungeons & Dragons is chaotic evil, evil. because there is mm-hmm. just no boundaries. And you don't know. Yep. You cannot plan for that villain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, basically, he's chaotic evil... Uh, I feel like Jared Leto's... He's kind of just chaotic neutral. He chaotic just wants neutral. money. He's not really dying to hurt somebody. Yeah. He just wants the money. And I feel like... I feel like Forrest Whitaker falls into lawful evil. Yeah, or a neutral neutral. I feel like he's got the lawful side. Yeah, he fall, he plays by the rules. Absolutely. I think he's lawful, lawful evil. Comes with being a... Although, the security thing, that was kind of a weird... Mm-hmm twist that they did not illuminate very well was what exactly they just gave him the broad scope of security skills without ever yeah. really like he knows how to crack a safe he knows how to build a panic room you know he knows how to turn disarm off her a alarm without a code which was or he yeah, had but that if one, he's but. making the panic rooms he knows the exact safe that's going to be in there he knows the whole makeup of the panic room and he and he would totally know the security system because armed and disarmed in there it's probably the same company why did they focus on the magnet light on the drill? I don't know. They kept showing it, and I kept expecting some sort <laughs> yeah, of magnetic about magne- interference to occur. I think it was an old Milwaukee sponsorship there product were a placement. Couple, there was some ser- Mayflower uh-huh. spent a lot of money to get their name on every box, even like wooden crates. And I don't know that... Do people still use wooden crates? For know. shipping stuff? They're like, you better not don't you put just, a U-Haul in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Mayflower, we live and die by our wooden crates. Yeah, I mean, I feel like rich people use none of this crates. double cardboard feel, heavy yeah. duty from Home Depot. I feel like the cardboard is a poor man's game. I feel like the wooden crate. Like if I were rich, I'd get the wooden crates. That reminds me, we do have a sponsor this week, Schlag. I don't know if you knew <laughs> what? there was pretty much one company that makes door locks. Yeah, stop them with the Schlag. <laughs> It's a weird thing I was trying to think mm-hmm. of because they make such a big deal of the moving company, but then the security stuff was yeah. all kind of nameless. I think it's Slage. I'm not sure. I've never um, really said it out loud. But yeah, I, I, going back to the villains, I felt like they were all really effective. I think that's kind of the great thing. And, and the other thing that I realized at the end of this movie, when they with the credits roll and they put the cast list up, there's like 12 people in this movie. Yeah, it was that really, is cool. It was a nice, clean. This, this is could like, be, this is this is Reservoir Dogs. This could be a stage play almost. Yeah, yeah exactly. You'd be able to, and you'd get those same panning oh, shots God. where you could see the panic room on one side, and you see the villains Dude, on the other side. This would be a crazy cool stage play. I feel like we're going to Broadway. This could be a really cool stage play. Nailed like it. if you put, if you had the panic room, like you'd probably have to go three stories because I feel like four stories is too tall for a. For a stage. But yeah, you could have just like the dollhouse cut out the side of the house. And then you could have the villains arguing in the panic room, yelling at each other while Jodie Foster's down, giving her husband the gun and like so much stuff happening concurrently. It could be really, really cool. That would be great. 
All right, let's yeah stop the cast, cut this out. <laughs> this is a good idea. <laughs> Put this man. in the we're idea going to Broadway. Um, Fincherisms, Fincherisms, heavy rain movie. the whole totally the whole time. It it was I liked. We're talking about the stage play. Thing. Something about the heavy rain outside mm-hmm. helps to make it. It's kind of like a zomb- like zombie films. Yeah, zombies are a great environmental confinement. They really help. Because most of those movies are about, like, especially you look at like Dawn of the Dead, uh, talking about good Zack Snyder movies. Mm-hmm. You know, the zombies are really there to confine a bunch of people that would normally not come together, and yep. so the rain makes this house just feel. You don't think about the neighbors really, and even when they flash the flashlight, he just goes and rolls his blind down. He which can't I hear feel them, like I would do as well. Screen. Oh, absolutely, yeah. When was the last time you heard a car alarm go off and go, oh, somebody's car no, is I mean, I stolen. live in the city. At this point, it's weird to me when I go camping and I can't hear anything. It's actually like disconcerting. <laughs> like, I, I mean, it's so amazing to me if we were to turn off the lights in this panic room that is my bedroom. <laughs> uh, you'd, you'd be surprised how freaking bright it is. It is bright. Like, uh, my wife, her family lives up in, in Port Townsend, which is, like, up in the upper peninsula in Washington State, up by, you know, the Strait of Juan de Fuca. And, and it's so crazy to me when I go to their house and spend the night there. It is so dark. It is, like, pitch black. And... And you mostly just get the ocean noise up there, right? No, there's, like, I mean, no that's... noise, basically, where they are, but... But it's here, it's bright lights shining through my window at all times and, you know, generally sleeping with the window open, uh, you know, sirens and cars driving by at high speeds and noisy mufflers and uh, rowdy drunk people, uh, just, you know, city noise. So you're right. It's this interesting thing of like you're in your little cozy nest, but you are in a bustling city, which kind of isolates you. At the same time, I really like the scene in this where they look out the window and I see the people walking by. I think Dwight Dwight Yoakam like looks out the window and sees the people walking by with umbrellas at three a.m. Who is walking by? It's a city, man. In this rich neighborhood, it's a city. I'm sure that like going home. (laughs) I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that in New York City at three a.m. you could find people on the sidewalk, no problem. Yes, you know, in Manhattan. Yes. do you notice, though, that even with the lighting, they had, despite the fact that it was super heavy rain, they did have a lot of lighting shooting in through the windows yeah. and throwing the, you know, the the dividers in all of the windows, which were given mm-hmm. kind of these gridded effects kind of thrown yeah. throughout the house. It was a nice... They're like the fancy... It made you realize windows. how close everything was outside. Like, yeah. there are lights right there shooting into you. And so they're having this this event occur and clearly like there's light coming you know there's a visual path in mm-hmm. and it's they're still alone it's yeah, that weird it's isolated it's that feeling you surrounded. get in a house even with your neighbors right next door yeah you still i remember when i last place when i moved in i spent the first time on the floor and every sound every sound <laughs> i was up like a shot going what is it what yeah. was that because you just don't like I hadn't changed the locks yet, so I had the uh-huh. keys that the last owner gave me. Didn't trust those fools. <laughs> and it was, and it's, and it was exactly the same scenario. Yeah. I don't know why I was, but there was no million dollars buried. <laughs> I always loved the first night in a new place. Oh, super scary! I'm a giant coward on that first night. Well, I had like when I was living in Tacoma, uh, the beautiful city of Tacoma, Washington, one night, and I, somebody tried to break into my apartment while I was sleeping. And it's one of the scariest moments of my life. It was literally a I'm going to die now. Because it was I was living in this apartment that was two stories and it had I think you probably went to that one, maybe. Sounds familiar. It had like a the upper story was like a balcony, so you could like look over into the lower story. And so that was the bedroom was up there and then the living room was down on the first floor. And I just kind of wake up because like we had these weird doorbells on our doors. That were like on the door, and it was like this little lever that you would pull. And so I wake up because somebody had like rang the doorbell, checking to see if you're home. And then I hear, then I just hear like, like, like shaking the thing. My skin is crawling. I'm hearing this. And then like pounding on the door. And then so I like get up and I start walking down the stairs slowly. And this is the moment where I'm like, this is the end of my life. 
Like I literally was like, this is it. I'm dead now. This is how Eric dies. I've had that moment twice in my life now. It was that was one of them, and the other one was when I was in a car accident, oh, like right, right before the car accident. Yeah. I was like, this is the end of my life. And uh, luckily, neither were true, unless of course I'm in a Tyler Durden universe right now. <laughs> but uh, but uh, but anyway, yeah, I'm walking down, and the, the only thing I can muster this is this is tough guy Eric, right? Walking down the stairs, the only thing I can muster is. Hello? <laughs> That's what I said. Hello? You didn't start smashing the lights in your apartment getting no. ready for them? <laughs> I said, hello? And then as soon as I said hello, I, I lived on the second floor, and I just hear, the guy run down the stairs and run away. So the thing about it, like, he was either trying to break in and murder me and steal all my stuff, which I was, like, 24 at the time, so... I've have have at it with my Xbox and my 27 inch tube TV. <laughs> um, but he was either that or he had gotten the wrong house and he was like drunk and he thought that he like he, I'm guessing my 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 prevailing theory at this point is that he thought that was his apartment but it wasn't because right before I say hello he kicks the door and he kicks the door and it just goes. Like it was, it was pretty terrifying. For the um, sake of discussion, let's say that he was trying to break in. Yeah. Did you feel the world turn up? Did you notice the uh-huh. shot where Jodie Foster is like laying down in the bed? Yeah, and they turn it so that she's oh, right yeah. side up, and you see Forrest Whitaker sideways. Oh, in behind her in the door. It was. And there were a bunch of little moments like this. There was uh-huh. one where Forrest Whitaker is coming down the stairs. They've got uh, Meg's daughter in tow. And something about the speed at which he comes down the stairs, he is perfectly filling the frame uh-huh. from top to bottom. And there's yep. no room on either side. And the camera's moving. And just the coordination that goes into some of these shots. Yeah. Fincher was just crushing it with those weird, you know, because there's. <laughs> There's kind of the traditional, like the Sturm and Drag, like from below up yeah. at an angle. There's the moving camera to give you a sense. But I don't know that I notice any real shaky camera. Zero shaky cam. There's no handheld shots in this movie at all. Which but, is for as disorienting as, as this film could be at times. Yeah. Or how it wants you to feel super uncomfortable. He does it in really meticulous ways. Well, and... I feel like that also keeps... It adds to the idea that the house is a character because it's so unhuman the way that the shots move and how everything is so mechanical and doesn't have any personality behind the shots it makes it feel let makes the camera feel very impersonal it gives it that um inanimate object feel and so it helps kind of bring you into this house as a character you just kind of feel like you're in the walls looking at what's happening and i mean amazing job i really enjoy that and that's a good if, you know, every frame of painting, we love those so much. They yeah. talk about how camera work is used in dialogue and situations. Yeah. And they really do frame a lot of faces in pieces. Like there's one of the shots I remember is the, uh, the balusters for the railing mm-hmm. shooting through that to catch Forrest Whitaker's face. And it, yeah. for how much that Fincher puts these conversations w- between characters, it he's including the house as the character in the conversation and he's doing it so that the two of them are in the shot and it's easy to dismiss it as really fancy cam work. And he does go on to use it a bunch. I'm right. really interested to see Zodiac yeah. now and see how yeah. he refines this animated panning. But yeah, I really, I really liked watching it in this and seeing the first, this is, as a creative person, when you find like a new trick and it really is something <laughs> that you can repeat a couple times and it feels good, yeah, it's. I mean, it's fun to watch him kind of really take this to the next level. I feel like that's a good point. I think that uh, at this point in his career, he has really um, established a visual language but with this movie, with Panic Room, that he does carry on throughout the rest of his movies. And that visual language can sometimes take a while to get to i mean i don't think it was there in alien 3 because he was basically just trying to get the goddamn thing finished uh fight club has a very interesting visual style 
that uses some of these shots and even some animated shots. Um, the game, I wouldn't say so much. Um, seven, I also probably wouldn't say so much, although the cinematography look is definitely there with the darkness in both the game and uh, in seven. Yeah, he plays it a little bit safer, but yeah, he takes his moments. I think he figured some stuff out in Fight Club that he's carried over in the Panic Room, and then that visual style of the cinematography style meets those robotic camera movements, impersonal camera movements, and and use use of CGI. That style carries on throughout, and I'm definitely keeping an eye out for it. Um, but yeah, you're totally right. I think I mean there was zero, I don't think there was any. Um, handheld shots in this movie and uh, every frame of painting asserts that David Fincher has only had like two handheld camera shots ever in his career um, and he definitely has very few but I think he has more than two because I think I counted like an extra one in Fight Club that he, he didn't pick up on um, but yeah this this one definitely gets his visual style in line and I'm excited to see how that carries on throughout but I want to get back to the Fincherisms because this movie kind of encapsulates, and that term is used both metaphorically and literally, this idea that David Fincher has had in every single one of his movies so far, including Alien 3, um, and that's making the big feel small. Uh, you know, in Alien 3, they make the big prison planet feel, <laughs> they confine it to this small place with the alien. In 7, uh, very similarly, it's like, um, even though they, they're in a gigantic city, uh, the, um, the killer, uh, Kevin Spacey's character really confines them, ends up confining to them to the space and their space and his space become smaller and smaller as the movie goes on. And in the game, same thing. It's a giant city, but, uh, it becomes smaller and smaller as we narrow in on the main character's experience. And in this one, same thing, gigantic house, uh, but it, we feel claustrophobic the whole time. So I think putting the main characters in a claustrophobic situation is a complete signature of David Fincher, and I, I want to see that carry on throughout as well. You bring up Aliens 3, and that mm-hmm. was one of my thoughts when I got to the end of this movie, is, oh, I wish Aliens 3 had come later. <laughs> if he had had the freedom and the time to get a, a good script, he does yeah. female characters really well uh-huh. uh, when we get to Girl in the Dragon. And- and his scripts are typically not his own, but his right. portrayal of female characters is really solid. And even for the some of the meeker characteristics of characteristics of Jodie Foster in this, you know, she's claustrophobic. You know, she's not as strong as the guys. The moments that she goes for it, and kind of the culmination at the end of her ass kickery yeah is just really portrayed portrayed really well and all when we get all the way to gone girl and the female characters (laughs) in that movie are just on another level and he does a really good job of i don't know just kind of a balanced portrayal it's not trying to it's not the an overbearing girl power which is not in itself a bad thing but it it can take you out of it sometimes it feels these all he feels genuine when he is working with female characters and whether it's right. the at the the acting that he's getting out of his cast or the scripts that he's choosing mm-hmm. uh i just really appreciate that amount and, and young uh kristen stewart yeah who looks almost exactly like jodie foster when they they, they, they lay down yeah. and put their ears to the floor yeah and i was looking and i go I buy it. Yeah, I buy I it. They're related. That. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a, it looks like a mother and her daughter completely. It was a it was a really good casting. Why the hell do they yell at her so much? I feel like there's a hidden message in this movie because she gets just straight up yelled at all the time. They're in the beginning of the movie. They're going through the house and she's like sk- scooting through the house and the realtor is screaming at her at the top of her lungs. Hey kid, <laughs> stop. Rolling. Hey, kid, stop playing with the elevator. Stop looking at me. Like the whole thing, the whole movie, she's getting yelled at and being told, like, don't get excited. You know what happens when you get excited, you know? Or, uh, or even, you know, with, or she's getting told she's going to get her throat cut by Dwight Yoakam with his fingers gone, (laughs) which which wouldn't have freaking happened. I I don't think Forrest Whitaker is going to allow him to do that. (laughs) I can't believe he was conscious after. 
the pain, I, don't. I feel like the pain of having your hand smashed between a couple well, his three inches came of off. steel, which is yeah, that like you pass out. The yeah. pain of that when his finger when out. he picks up his fingers. Although he is he, you said Jodie Foster's Superman. He's obviously the Superman here. <laughs> yeah, because he takes a sledgehammer, takes a to, sledgehammer the to the face, falls down a flight of stairs, gets his hand chopped off, and he's still rolling. He's still ready to smash somebody's That's face. Just with Dwight Yoakam as a person. He's hard yeah, to he, kill. He's a spindly guy, man. He's made of beef jerky and and hardened steel. He's a great surgeon too. If you've seen Crank, he really he knows what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, but that was I, I I felt like there was an underlying thing there with Kristen Stewart and uh, everybody just yells at her throughout the whole Kids movie. Kids only pay attention if you yell at them. I guess so. I think maybe it's a like I feel like she was fairly well adjusted for the situation that she was in. I really liked. The moment at the start when, again, I really enjoy, and it's not, it's the dialogue really mm-hmm. as written, but it's always seems to be very efficient. They yeah. really get you through the fact that Jodie Foster is divorced as quickly as possible. Yeah. And it culminates with you understanding that Kristen Stewart is also not pleased about the situation when she gives she's like fuck him yeah fuck her and then mom tops off her coke because we're getting crazy also strange to me like really you're gonna let a kid pop <laughs> a coke and not t- drink the whole thing mom's, mom's gonna top off the wine yeah you're but like get you're a caffeine high as kid- a kid who is diabetic <laughs> i did not think about that actually oh that actually makes sense that makes more sense now but even still that's even worse yeah, no, it's not good parenting. I understand now why she didn't want her to I drink the whole can. <laughs> but now I'm like, why are you giving her the whole can? That makes sense. We're gonna push the limits tonight, kiddo. I don't I hope it doesn't sound like I'm shitting on this movie because I like this movie. No, it's really good. Yeah. It's, it's a it's solid an impressive thriller. movie. It's a very impressive movie. And I'm usually not like a huge thriller guy. I kind well, of Well, the one thing I can't stand and I just kind of at this moment I just it's I don't, it's a pet peeve of mine is people barely being able to reach things. <laughs> you know, it's a thing of like you just get your finger That's on it. That's because you're you tall. You don't have this problem the rest of us have. I feel like it's Every a lazy day, I feel as like a guy who is average height. I reach for things and they're just out of grasp and it's infuriating. I do that too. Like if I'm on the couch and I don't want to move and the remote is <laughs> just, just out of reach. It's a, it's a drag, but, um, but no, that's the thing. Like, I feel like it's just kind of a, it's, it's, it's a little bit lazy to me from a filmmaking perspective of like the, I can't, I can't, oh, I can't so quite reach it. I just, Is oh. there they going to reach it? Yeah. And then you end up grabbing it anyway. Somehow your arm gets three inches longer than you just grab it at the right <laughs> moment. I'm like, come on, guys. Um, but regardless, I, I do think that the movie's really interesting. And I, I want to go back to your point, I think, about, uh, about female characters. I just think that in general, David Fincher is a, has a great eye for scripts and he understands what makes people um like worried <laughs> i feel like it's a big part it of it makes you uncomfortable yeah and there's universal things and so it doesn't necessarily matter if the protagonist is female the protagonist is male i feel like there's universal human things that he's able to tap into with his script selection in that uh he understands that like when you have a problem your world becomes smaller you 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 know you start to focus on that problem and it can take over your life. You can become, you can become obsessed with it. Um, this in this movie, Jodie Foster has an issue because her husband left her for the, some ditzy broad who everybody hates. Um, and that's the only reason why I called her broad. I'm not trying to diminish her as a woman. I think that she's supposed to be an <laughs> asshole. Uh, so, um, but uh, but yeah. So you know, everybody hates the 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 you know the person that her ex husband ran off with, and she's like in this plot. And she's trying to make the life with her and her daughter. Um, and she's, you know, beholden in some ways to her pharmaceutical, you know, billionaire, millionaire husband, ex-husband who's going to buy her this gigantic house. And it all becomes this thing. It, you know, it's a good metaphor because she's like t- basically tied to this asshole and the asshole that took him t- away from her and, and her family. Um, but it's, so she's financially tied to that and the house itself is financially tied to this treasure that's, that's beholden within it. So it's like, 
you can't get away from these things. They don't exist uh, separately from one another. Um, but it, going back to it, I just think the eye for scripts here, it's really about people focusing in on these huge problems that they find in their lives and that their whole world becomes claustrophobic um, because of it. Yeah. Well, and he, he shoots so claustrophobically. Yeah. So be, because of his, his close-ups and the focus at which he does that, you know, he usually – you watch a Marvel movie mm-hmm. and it's the whole frame – is in focus. He's shooting just all the way. Yeah. Open is that the term? I'm trying to. I know mm-hmm. a little bit of regular like film photography, like yeah. snapshots. I don't yeah. know how it works with a full on camera, but like every the whole the depth of field, yep. everything is pretty sharp mm-hmm. in his movies, especially with guns. Yep. Usually, there's a scene where it's like you get the barrel of the gun and everything else is out of focus. Well, that, I love. It. They also do the thing. He does it. He did it in. He definitely did it in Fight Club at the end of Fight Club, and I don't know if he did it here, but there's a shot where the barrel is out of focus. You just get an out-of-focus shot, and then they dolly into focus on the gun barrel, which gives you this like disorienting feeling of looking down the barrel of a gun and slowly realizing that you're kind of you're facing this threat of doom in front of you because it's like it's this disorienting fuzzy view and then it zooms in and then you've and then all you can see is just the barrel of the gun and as a movie watcher that's Mm -hmm. it that's your especially if you're in intensely watching fincher movies yeah that's you suddenly lose track of the setting and all you're looking at is a gun and that is a really yeah surprisingly unsettling and i the only reason i keep watching for it is they you know uh, they show it for zodiac Uh like the whole clip I mean, he really mm. progresses. He goes, you know what? The barrel of a gun is not unsettling enough. I'm going to show you some bullets going into the gun. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. What, what is, is Zodiac next? No. What is next? I don't even, I, I feel like I should yeah, be more prepared totally, here. We can do this together now. Oh, the yeah. With the whole IMD bizzle. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we have we Fight here. Club, the game seven. Panic Room. Alien 3, pa- oh. George Michael, 25. No, it is. It's Zodiac. And then Zodiac. Zodiac is next. Zodiac, the social network, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You know, curious case of Benjamin Button there is after oh, Zodiac. Yeah. Um, that one I'm really... The other thing, I feel like we no should watch the that. first two episodes of House of Cards, like maybe as bonus content. Yeah. Because that's two hours of television. I think it's actually like an well, hour I've and 30 never watched minutes. Uh, House of Cards, and now would be a oh. good time to start. I watched it really hard for like the first three seasons, and then I completely gave up on it in the second episode of season four. I don't know what it is that has not. I really like Kevin Spacey. That yeah, I enjoyed The West Wing. There's something enticing about the show. <laughs> Just never Kevin Spacey, David Fincher. Yeah. No, I didn't know that it was David Fincher. That, yeah, he directed the first two episodes and to really get me jazzed up. That's interesting. Yeah, J.J. So Abrams directed a couple of Lost, and then that fell off a cliff too. So don't I, I like? Don't I'm a Lost apologist, so <laughs> don't get me started <laughs> on Lost. Apologize for that word. Um, I'm a Lost apologist. Um, yeah, but uh, I uh, this movie. So let's talk about. Oh, let's talk about the cops. Yeah. So you said. Online, there are some theories as to why the cops came back. Yeah, I was do I. I'm trying to remember what I was looking up that mm-hmm. led me to this, but there were people saying that when she goes to answer the door and he goes yeah. blink, yeah, if there's anything wrong, and she totally just stares in the face like you guys are good, yeah. There's nothing overt about her giving a signal, right? So some people say. When he said blink, what he was really saying was don't, don't blink, blink. <laughs> which I think is totally bogus. She really just, all of her, you know, the way she's dressed up, mm-hmm. she really gives away that she's in distress. And I feel like she played it off pretty well. I think she did fine. And I think if I had been a cop, I would have probably sat in the car, been like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, the so the blink and don't blink thing is interesting because there's no way that he could have known that they were locked in a panic room or they couldn't have heard anything that was going on out yeah. there. So, you know, the idea that the you have to assume that they're just on the other side of the door if there are intruders in the house that that they're not up in some you know crazy panic room. But she totally could have also because she knows that they can't hear what she says. She's been in the panic room, 
So she knows that the, that they in there cannot hear her speaking to the cops. So she t- totally could have just told them, "Come back in fifteen minutes." Yeah, but with the she, SWAT team, I'm under the impression at this point. Which in she, the film, I know she didn't do, but I'm just saying she is, could have. It, she, she, her only solution mm-hmm. to getting her daughter back in one piece is to kill Burnham and Raoul, especially Raoul. Not Burnham because though. they didn't. Burnham really, definitely would. But have. she's she has not really dealt yeah. with them face to face, so yeah. she's not necessarily 100 percent on the different thing. The fact that they have threatened her daughter, and it's mm. it's one of those scenarios where you know they say, "Oh, just come out and leave, and we'll take what we want and go." Yeah. You've seen their faces; they're really their only way out is to kill you. Yeah, and now she is in a reverse scenario where I can't let them get away because they'll get away with my daughter, right? Or they'll kill her. Yeah. So her only alternative is to lull them into a false sense of security and then kill them in return and i totally i yeah and that's the part i like about this and it bugs me about other movies mm-hmm. when the villain has a hostage and is like put your gun down yeah don't put your gun down they're gonna shoot them and then they're gonna shoot you and now you're <laughs> both dead well that's At the other thing about it take they, the route of so i hope if, you're never taken hostage because yeah. I'm, <laughs> just, I'm not putting the gun down they're gonna shoot you and then i'm gonna shoot them and you will be avenged. I mean, oh, I, I mean, I guess, I guess that was the the nuclear option. Because if they did kill the girl, they're dead. Like, yeah, they're exactly. dead. Yeah. SWAT team's on its way, which is they're why they s- need to keep her alive. They have to keep her alive. That's their only way out. Um, but as a final act of vengeance, they yep, will kill her. As, as like you said, it's the nuclear yeah. option. Everybody, but. Yeah. Uh, Jodie Foster dies. Yeah, in which everybody loses because Jodie Foster's lost her daughter. So exactly, that's kind of the nice. Uh, it's not a Mexican standoff. I don't know what the description for that scenario is, but yeah, it's a it's, it's a lose lose. It's a war game. Yeah, it's a. But the other thing about it is that I I mean it, I, it's all good stuff because she didn't know the state that Dwight Yoakam was in. There's no way he's gonna kill. He can kill the daughter. I I like. I mean, he is Superman. We get it later in the movie that he is invincible. But like the guy, I feel like if he stood up, he'd pass out. Like, what's how is he going to kill the girl? Yeah, he's in about the same state as her husband is in that chair. Yeah, he's he has your fingers are off your left hand. hand. Yeah, you're all done. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, really an awesome film. I think wait, let's go to the forums real quick. Um, yeah, we had some Davy Mac. Always, always writing it in. Yeah, Davy Mac coming through. Uh, he really liked. Um, what was the guy's name? Forrest Whitaker's character, Burnham. Burnham. He liked Burnham as well, and I think that that's kind of the whole thing about this movie is that they were like Burnham just kind of got caught up in this thing. Like he's not a bad guy. This is the first time he's ever probably done anything bad. Well, and it is. In an ideal situation, he'd do it once and he'd be done. That's all he needs to... He's not the yeah. guy that's, I'm trying to get out. Although, who knows? Maybe that's Panic Room 2. He gets sucked back in. Yeah. Uh, but they do a good job at the start. I'm out. There are people in the house. This is not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. But again, the tension of Raul... Yep, the wild card. You wild walk card! Out of him, he shoots... <laughs> Somebody... <laughs> that Oh, no. That was on a... There was somewhere... In discussing this movie, I saw that gif. Yeah, it basically <laughs> Always sunny is. in Philadelphia. It's totally the wild card. With Charlie cutting the brakes in the van, they're all in and going wild card and leaping out the back. It's a very good meme if you haven't seen it. Yeah, especially if you love Always Sunny. I think that this is this is basically David Fincher's Reservoir Dogs, and he just did it a little bit later. Like this is a small movie. You got the wild card. You got the idiot. Just really got, the one setting. It's yep. The one the setting. We got the house. Yep. I I I. The more I talk about this movie, the more I enjoy it. I mean, it eclipsed by too. It was a good. I feel like it's a good. Had good pacing. Yeah, it was under um, two hours, and it felt like it. It felt like to me, it felt like a ninety-minute movie. I really, it flew by. Yep. Uh oh, I we got to give a shout out to Ema Forty Two. Uh, who was talking about the animated stuff? Yeah, not trippy. Thank you for giving it a word. Yeah, trippy was just pissed off that Dwight Yoakam was made of uh, beef jerky and steel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, I so 
Uh, oh, I wanted I want to talk about this person, Chris Dua. I don't know if Chris Dua is a is a if that's if that's a version of Christina or just Chris Tua. Hard to tell. It is hard to tell. <laughs> um, but he talked. He slash she, whoever this person is, talks about the. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you're loving this shout out. <laughs> I know, right? This is this is the way to really recognize people. Uh was also talking about the smaller space. Uh it says I love to step back into a smaller face from Fight Club to Panic Room. The trap characters being an interesting dynamic into the mix, and the performers for performances are reliably solid. It's probably not too difficult to do that when you're dealing with people like Joyce Jody Foster and Forrest Whitaker. The plot for me was plausible enough. I have seen panic a panic room in a New York flat before, and it serves up Solidly constructed suspense to keep things engaging. Way above average thriller with lots of eye candy, eye candies. It's the, it's the <laughs> Camelot new band? of cinema execution geeks. Um, also, interesting perspective here that we definitely don't have. Uh, this was the first movie I ever bought on DVD back in the day. This is from Amaya eighty nine. I'm going to say Amy. Oh, Amy Jaw. Nice job. <laughs> I, I assumed it was a soft J, Amaya89. Uh, in hindsight, there was undoubtedly something about the combination of Jodie Foster and tomboy Kristen Stewart that warmed my then 12-year-old little gay heart. What so, year did Jodie Foster come out? I don't know if she's ever officially come out. She I think she had like a Lifetime Achievement Award where she basically came out. But uh, but that's like, you don't see Jodie Foster anymore. Yeah, she, she, it's because the internet is full of assholes. That's yeah, probably why. But she is really freaking also great in, uh, like we said earlier, Silence inside. Of the Lambs. Well, Silence of the Lambs, of course. Uh, Contact. Contact. Absolutely. Uh, Contact. The end of Contact. I'll watch. I don't watch <laughs> the rest of the movie, but if I see that on TV, I yeah. will try and catch the last like fifteen minutes. Um. But yeah, dude. Uh, I think that. Well, actually, I feel like Panic Room and Inside Man are a great double feature. Jodie Foster thriller double feature. Sorry, what was the first one I was looking Panic at? Panic Room and she, Inside Man. Inside Man. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good combo. She at that, that speech where well, there she you comes go. out and they put it in quotation marks. It was 2013. So There you go. This is way ahead of the, the curve. But uh, yeah, she's an amazing... I always get really jazzed when I see her in movies. Mm-hmm. And it, and you're right. It's. I want to see her in a Western. Has she done any Westerns? I, I don't know. I feel like she'd be awesome in like a Western as like a bounty hunter or something. She would play a good calculation. She was in Elysium. Like a sniper. She was in Elysium. She was probably one of the better roles in that movie. Yeah. I, I've tried to watch that movie multiple times, and I cannot get through it. I actually I'm bought it. Watch it for her part, because she, okay. she plays the the queen, of, essentially, of the, the mm-hmm. ring in space. She does a really good job, because mm-hmm. she does have that. She can shut parts of her emotion down. Yeah. And so she plays cold calculating. Yeah, calculating really well. It's I bought that movie for a flight, and so I purchased it. So it's like in my iTunes, and I've literally tried to watch it like three times, and I can only get through like forty minutes of that it. Was I the don't last know what movie it is that about. She was in really. Yeah, um, I would love to see her as like a sniper, flight plan. like a like a sniper in a western. Maybe the next John Wick movie. What if she did she could be an assassin? What if she did like what if they did like a remake of The Good, the Bad and the Ugly and she played Clint Eastwood's character? I was about to say they're redoing that with Chris Pratt, but no, that's uh No, that's the Magnificent the Seven. Magnificent Seven. It's the, about time to redo the Good, the Bad and the Ugly. Is it? <laughs> I don't know. I'd rather just get another I'd rather get an original Western. What other samurai films could we rip off? I'm sure Kurosawa made a couple. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right well i think that's panic room yeah and now next i'm week just we... gonna flip through her her catalog here she hasn't been in it she's been in a lot but well she made her debut in taxi driver wow it's um, back there yep yeah iris uh so i think that's it for this time we're gonna watch zodiac next week i'm excited about that one yeah um, I remember that being... Re- that's another movie I saw once. Yeah, I saw it once in the theater. I don't think I saw it in the theater, though, so... I saw it in the theater. So, Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, pre-Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, but post-cleanup, right? He was kind of cleaning up at that point. Mm, still maybe, feeling... Still a little... <laughs> maybe it might have been the one that got him to the Tony Stark. 
That, it, that this might have been the precursor that middle ground yeah it's like the precursor to tony stark so we can do the zodiac and pair it with mm-hmm. dirty harry in the san francisco wishes it had caught the zodiac killer i actually haven't seen dirty Harry. what i feel like this podcast could be <sighs> alternately named levi and eric haven't seen any movies <laughs> Yeah, that's the, that is actually the angle for we the podcast just is call that each other out on these things. The angle for the podcast is that we actually haven't seen any movies at all. Yeah, we were, we're raised guessing. we were raised in a secluded bunker <laughs> and we, we just emerged a la Kimmy Schmidt and we are experiencing cinema for the first time. Uh, so <laughs> So tune in next week see to see what eyes. else we haven't seen yet. Oh, I also want to put in a small plug on Bald Move. I am going to be starting a podcast uh, about one of my favorite shows with Mr. Jim Jones from the Bald Move Sanctuary. And it's going to be about Halt and Catch Fire, the show on AMC, which I really enjoy. So take uh, keep an eye out for that. It's going to be called Mutiny Community on Bald Move. And I'm not doing any more podcasts i think this is good i'm good with just doing this <laughs> you're good one. With the one you're good with the one all right well uh please keep in touch guys uh direct podcast at gmail.com and forums dot baldmove.com we love the i, I love the forums Beautiful i love them forums. we can't read all of them on the podcast but there's really good conversation that goes on there and there's a lot of great perspectives and there's a lot of good content so make the forums great again that's our new make slogan the, that's it is a slogan because it's a fallacy that they were already always great. I know that's the you got into my panic room of the joke. Okay, that's <laughs> it, folks. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Cut.